I think the biggest difference in the fans is like white people. I was going to say lesbians. Hi, I'm Andy. And I'm Roger. And welcome to The Middle, where we try to have thoughtful conversations about awkward topics on our search to find the middle. announced the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. I act as if God exists. Put your masks on. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams, my childhood, with your empty words. Roger, how are you going? Andy, I'm doing well. We're popping our Tuesday night cherry. Um, it's a very odd night of the week, Tuesday in general. I kind of related to cheap movies and cheap pizza. <laughs> what about you? Isn't it the cheapest day to buy petrol as well? Man, I wouldn't know. I, I don't do penny saving for petrol. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed. So, look, there's a couple of reasons we're recording on Tuesday. First is practical scheduling reasons, but um, this is the uh, Matilda's England, uh, the eve of the Matilda's England game. Um, this I won't call it, well, they're not the Socceroos, they're the, the <laughs> Matilda, but Austra- the Australian women's <laughs> soccer team, the Matildas, uh, made their first semi-final in, in a World Cup. So this is the, the home World Cup here in Australia. And they've gone the furthest that they've ever gone before. And indeed, any Australian football side has ever gone in, in a World Cup uh, into the semi-final. And they're playing England tomorrow night. And for those of you listening who are not in Australia, this is has been like quite a big phenomenon, really, because they played on Saturday night. I think it was one of the highest watched programs, well, certainly of the year, and, and even going back decade. I think you have to go back like something like ten years to find an equivalent, you know, sporting event that had yeah, similar, right. yeah, viewership. Did you watch the game on Saturday? I did. Yes, I watched the game, and I think it was one of the few matches that I have found the time to watch. I watched it with my family and my parents. It was a incredible match to to watch actually because it was just so tight. Well, nothing and, happened uh, really. <laughs> no no goals scored. Um, no, a lot happened, just no no goals. It was a uh, penalty shootout, right? Yeah, and I think this is one of the things that people that don't watch soccer very often always say. It's like, you know, nothing's happening. Like no one's scoring. Like nothing. <laughs> it's just like... You know, my my partner actually said to me at the time, it was kind of like, no matter, I understand now why when they score, they celebrate so crazy because it hardly ever happens. <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious because, yeah, this kind of low goal scoring kind of mindset in game is actually makes for a very even and very tense match. And it's not something that people really understand as um, people looking outside in. Because this will be released on Sunday morning, we didn't think there would be much point rehashing Saturday night's game, which was Australia v. France. And Australia, as we've just talked about, won in quite dramatic fashion in a penalty shootout uh, after extra time and all the like. And, you know, people would be a little bit deflated if Australia lose tomorrow or they'll be exuberant about and, and very much eagerly anticipating the final if, if they win tomorrow. Um, so we don't know. If you are listening to this, you'll be listening to this uh, in the knowledge of of the outcome, and whether we're waiting for a um, yeah a, a World Cup 
victory with Australia in the final or uh, either that or, you know, it, it wasn't to be. Um, so we're going to do this in two parts. So we're actually going to record a second bit after the game tomorrow. I mean, we've touched on Saturday night a little bit, but let, let's maybe just start there. Now, you watched it with your family and all that. Is, is there anything that, like, obviously huge event, are there any, like, surprises for you in just how big and successful that game and, and their campaign in terms of popularity? Uh, it's bigger than I thought it was. It's kind of like crept up on everyone I've spoken to really because it's got to that tipping point, right, where everyone, no matter who you are, whether you follow sports, whether you follow soccer at all, is on that bandwagon, right? And it takes a special kind of event and it's tapped into like a deep sense of you know pride in Australian sport. And also I would say this idea of, supporting women in sport and so I, I, I feel like it the cocktail of how sold out the events are how positive the crowds are the rolling news coverage is all kind of culminating and, and whipping everyone up into a frenzy where it has this kind of almost near unanimous support amongst the Australian public and I can't think of too many times that has really happened where I can kind of think everyone is behind this and um, you know like everyone is supporting this so I very much feel that. And I, I was surprised, actually, that that is the case, right? And um, probably the the closest thing I could think of maybe would be the Olympics or something like that, where we, we had that similar, you know, in Sydney 2000, where we hosted the Olympics. We had a bit of that in the air as well. There's just the pride, the patriotism in your country and, and wanting to be all on the same side, right, that I think only sport can kind of do. What about you? Yeah, I agree. Like, I think definitely there's a big patriotic element to it like i mean australia like will pick up any sport and start going for the australian national team like we'll, we'll go for you know the hockey ruse if they're in the final of the world cup come olympics time we'll, we'll go for any you know athlete wearing green and gold even if we we know nothing about the sport and i do think like let's call the spade a spade i do think that's like a huge element here there's a lot yeah. of people who are just who probably never engaged in you know soccer or football before in their in their life they suddenly you know jump on the bandwagon <laughs> yeah so i don't think we can you know say that there's this natural supporter base for the matildas that's always been there and you know, they've just hidden like a, yeah. there's just a lot of you know bandwagon it, it must be yeah do you, do you think andy that the real fans that have been supporting them you know on an ongoing basis all the all the players in different leagues around the world are pissed off no no i think that they love it like do you know like the analogy i can think of it's like when you find like a band or a tv show or something that it's quite niche and you know not a lot of people know it know it right and you sing its praises and suddenly over time that small band or that TV, that niche TV show becomes mainstream. And like, it's kind of exciting, right? Because you're like an early adopter, right? It's it's an endorsement of your tastes and preferences. You'd have to be pretty bitter to for that to be, <laughs> you know. Well, I think it's more just like you'd, you, you might like it, right? That suddenly the Matildas or a team that you've always supported has become a bit more celebrated. But I think you'd be a bit frustrated seeing a lot of people who really know nothing about the sport, commenting on things or just, you know, po you know all these poses pretending to to know more than they do, right? Oh, yeah. Which, well, always, which always happens. That's like an irk, right? That's that's a an ick factor thing, right? Where it's like when someone starts portraying knowledge when there isn't, it's not there. Uh, I think, though, there's like another tangential thing as well around like some of the support being a little bit patronizing. So, you know, it's... It, like almost contrived, right? It's like, oh, we've got to get behind them. You know, we've got to support them. Like, because there is this sort of unspoken thing that we've got to back 
them because we've got to support like women's sport. Like we've got to get behind them because this is a great thing for women's sport. And I do think there's some reactions that you could call a little bit patronizing, like corporate entities getting on board or, but, but apart from that, like, I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's a good news story and like everyone wants to get, get behind it. Yeah, I, I do agree. I think that, um, like I mentioned, this undertone of the wokeism side of, of supporting women in sport, this is becomes like a perfect, uh, a perfect kind of moment for that movement, right? Because every it's, it's the easiest thing in the world, you know, and it's just a big party because we're the host country and um, getting behind Australia and and you know, but I do think yeah, it just slightly problematic in some ways, and and corporations are always the worst, and I've shared my views on this before. <laughs> they are just fucking opportunistic little wolves, right? That um, are chomping at the bit, just try to try to get some of that social credit, right? And I just don't think it's deserved. But, you know, the means justify the end. We talked about charity last week. And I think actually the net um, outcome of all this is a positive one. So we have a very unique set of circumstances right now. We have a home World Cup. So that in itself drives a lot of the natural support for this. I mean, no one would have been like, we didn't have this much sort of fanaticism at the last World Cup, right? In fact, if you ask most fans who are, you know, going to, wear the green and gold tomorrow at work or whatever. How did they how did the Matildas go in the last World Cup? Well, maybe they would have recalled some throwaway line from a commentator and say, Oh yeah, they made the quarterfinals, but then they you know, they lost. Um but but if you ask them where was the World Cup last time, they couldn't they probably couldn't tell you, right? Or who did they lose against? How did they you know so the depth of engagement in the last World Cup was virtually well much much lower in, in scale. So I guess the pivotal question is what about the next World Cup? Will this transition? And I think it will to some extent, but there'll be like there's obviously going to be a bit of drop off. The second factor, of course, is that they're successful, so they've made it through to the semi final. So you know, and in quite spectacular fashion too. And it's been exciting to watch, like in terms of the the theatrics of the game. So both games, like all the games, actually, because they um, when they beat Canada four 0 a couple of well. I guess a week and a half, two weeks ago, whenever that was, that was just a good game to watch because it was like that was do it like you know that was going to be sudden death for them, right? If they didn't win, and they had a few rocky games before that, so to sort of go in and, and beat Canada four 0 was just this, yeah, that's what like the country needed to sort of give them that, yeah. you know, stock of goodwill. <laughs> that yes, they they've yep another one, another one, another one. Yep, they've nailed it, <laughs> and then they you know took that momentum into the quarterfinal, and and now they're. Um, and now they're in the semi. So I guess it's there's some drama to the to the games as well that I think's assisted the the, the public in in terms of getting behind them. Yeah, I agree. Just, just um, one thing I do want to touch on though, just with the women's sport and TV ratings, right? So like Australia is like a country that like let's be f- like honest, right? When you look at women's sport and where our successes are. So let's say in Olympic Games, um, look at our medals. Like our women athletes tend to do quite well and tend to win gold. More, I think more gold than than often the men. And if we look at some of the previous examples of highest rating, you know, televised sporting events, you know, you've, you're looking at things like Kathy Freeman, right, at, at the Sydney Olympics, and you're yeah. looking at like Ash Barty at, at the Australian Open final. Like these, these are big number, drawing like huge numbers. And they're women athletes, right? So, you know, we get behind our women, I think, in a way that other countries don't. And I think that's partly what we're seeing here. But I think just to be a bit 
kind of realistic, you know, about um, the future and, and what this will mean in the longer run, I don't necessarily think this is going to translate into the kind of enduring success in terms of viewership and popularity. You know, just because this World Cup has been a success, I don't think it's going to suddenly mean everyone's going to start supporting, you know, the women's um, Premier League, for example. It, it just... Yeah, it, it, there's a superficial appeal of this that um, I think only runs so deep, and I'd like to be proven wrong. So, but I just my sense, that my instincts are that it might not, um, yeah, yeah, grow in the way that some might hope. Absolutely, and I think you got to remember that a huge percentage of people are watching, uh, you know, are watching this game for the first time, you know, and um, <laughs> you're gonna, it's gonna be really hard to to make that jump, right? Like. You might enjoy it, you might enjoy the atmosphere, but to become like a regular watcher of uh, women's soccer, you know, that's, that's a big jump from wanting to, to participate in a national moment, right? Um, so I think people just have to remember that and not be too let down and really just use it as a launch pad into more investment. I think where it does, it might change things is that it really proves that the ceiling that maybe we mentally put on something like the Women's World Cup is probably not true, right? Like this idea that no one really will pay attention to it. No one, it can't really draw a crowd or the the women's game, you know, they're beaten by a bunch of 15-year-olds and they're no good. Like it's not, not entertaining to watch. I think what's been really, will be enduring is that We've broken all those ceilings now. We've broken. We've we've busted all those myths, right? Yeah. And so I think that that is that is a good thing. And I think that maybe one one thing that's slightly different too is like the markets where the women the women's game is successful in are different to the markets where the men's game is successful. You know, the the US side, for example, won the last two World Cups. And this is actually like a big deal over in the States because they, of course, have the similar reaction that we would have in that they support their national side and they're pr- like proud of their national side. And I think they even had a similar sort of record of, you know, attendance um, at the last World Cup too in response to their, their win. Yeah. And these are the growth markets for the women's game and they're tapping into the, you know, like the US is like the biggest market of all, really. And in some ways, it's that that's maybe a regret that the US side didn't do quite so well at this World Cup because this it'd just be even bigger, right? It'd be imagine like Australia versus US in in the World Cup final. That would be just an amazingly, uh, you know, spectacular event w- watched by hundreds of millions, right? I would say though too, like it's it's quite hard to underestimate or or even really trace the final outcome of how this may inspire young people. And it's such a cliche, but there will be, I mean, fast forward 10, 15 years, there could be a bunch of kids watching this, um, whether they're girls or boys or whatever, having their podcast chat about a memory when they were when they were young, watching the Matildas play and it being like a really influential and formative experience for them, right? Like that it shouldn't be underestimated as well. Absolutely. So I think we should do a preview of, of tomorrow night's game. But before we do that, there's just a couple of um, loose things I want to throw out there and get your reaction to. Um, the first is Barnaby Joyce watching in a pub the trial game because the guy at the pub put, accidentally put on the wrong game and they were watching Australia versus France. And Australia won, like, because Australia won in the trial game. But then Barnaby Joyce getting confused when everyone started talking about a penalty shootout because he just thought that they won because <laughs> they watched the trial game. 
Oh, that's so good. I mean, I could, I could definitely see how it would happen. Um, <laughs> I mean, just that that's just amazing. Like, you can just imagine everyone in that pub going through an emotional experience watching the same thing um, and then <laughs> realizing it was all a lie afterwards. Um, ah. this, it's amazing, though, because, like, just the utter confusion. It's like I literally watched this thing live. <laughs> and someone telling you, no, it was this penalty shootout. And you're like, no, no, it wasn't. It was <laughs> what are you like, talking about? And there's this gaslighting of a whole pub. <laughs> All right. The second thing I want to get your reaction to is the plan to have a public holiday if the Matildas win the World Cup. This is a hard one for me because I think everyone, we, we spoke about this. Every day is a public a holiday for you. <laughs> no, 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 no. But we, we talked about this being like a moment for the sport, a moment for women in sport, and a moment for Australia, right? But, and I think that's the problem with this, right? Like, if even if you believe that this is an overreaction, it's a kind of saccharine coded pill that people are just jumping on, it's you still feel like a bit of a Grinch saying no, like we shouldn't do this. And I think that's the problem. It's gone kind of gone too far now. Like there's too much goodwill it, and, and there's too much rah-rah that anyone that's kind of going to, 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 you know, not support a public holiday, it's just going to be seen as just like this petty party pooper that just like, you know, like everyone wants a holiday, right? And this seems like a good cause. Like why can't you just get behind this, right? Like what have you got to lose except you just being a prick? And I kind of feel that at the moment, right? Like it's not even really worth interrogating too much because no one's going to go against it. I mean, what, what, what's your what's your view? You're going to go against it, aren't you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, look, I think everyone loves a holiday, right? So the dynamic is that you have a lot of employees in in the uh, in the country who would be very, very, very pleased to have a public holiday, right? And if I'm 100% honest, if someone said to me, uh, tomorrow is a public holiday, I would have very positive feelings about that, right? So there's that that side of it. But I do think, come on, like we do need some systems and processes in place <laughs> to determine when a public holiday. Like, in charge. It, it can't just be that like... Anthony Albanese was doing some FM radio interview with Carl and Jackie O and gets asked on the spot, you know, should we have a public holiday if they win? And then, and then, you know, as a thought bubble, he says, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And then, you know, like that's not how you run a country, right? So, um, and of course, well, like... We, we, did, we did vote in Labor, so, you know, <laughs> we, we are really to blame. But, but, and then there's like two other aspects. One is like the precedent effect, right? So... This is this is part of what I meant before when I said like the patronizing element of it. Like it's almost like, no, like no, it, it wasn't on anyone's lips. Like the 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 concept of a public holiday wasn't on. Had, like I can't think of any occasion, any sporting event where the the prospect of a public holiday has been raised in response to a sporting event. Like now, of course, uh, Victoria very famously have a public holiday on Melbourne Cup Day, so that, that that's the closest you can get to it. Um, but you know, at the same time, I don't think sporting well, events were a public the Melbourne holidays. Cup. 
They they have Melbourne Cup as a public holiday. Yeah, that's what I just and said. And they also have the yeah, but they also have the grand final. Yeah, but that's not the, the AFL. no. But the grand final is aligned to be on a long weekend, but it's not the the AFL grand final public holiday. It's as same with rugby league grand final. They have um, you know they just align the competition so that the the final aligns. It's not the other way around, right? So so I think there's that. And then the final thing is like. It's very easy to declare a public holiday if you don't have to pay for it, right? So, uh, of course, like in the media, the, the pushbacks come because, like, essentially there are a lot of you know small businesses and employers that are kind of saying, "Hang on, <laughs> you can't just do this. Like, this is this is like our livelihoods, right?" And of course, are they saying it's going to be like just one day or a public holiday every year? <laughs> the, the, what the women's world cup memorial victory in public holiday no i'm I'm pretty sure it's just one off um but um, yeah well no, no that's not too bad is it well uh, yeah, well no that's like this is one day of their imagine someone said to you they're going to shave your income by 20 percent this week how would you feel about that right that's, a, that's essentially what what the government would be saying right so you know, it's it's this is important. This is this income is important to them, right? And if they can't w- work or function or operate either because it's too expensive to do so because they've got to pay penalty rates or because just generally they can't get you know it's a public holiday so they can't get staff in or whatever. That's that's income that they they've lost. You know, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's. Was, I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be every year. <laughs> Oh God! Can you imagine? No. Like just well, wouldn't it be good like if we got the candle um, every year? Would... You know what they should do, though, Andy. I think they should double down and raise and like raise the stakes, right? So I think Albo should say, "We'll give you the public holiday, right? But given that we are playing England, the winner also means that if you know if Australia win, we become a republic, <laughs> and if the if you know England win, we stay part <laughs> we of the monarchy." That's a good one. I like that. So I think they should like double bill it, you know, like that 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 will be like, you know, the colony style. I, I can, the beginning of decolonization. <laughs> I can tell you what, I bet there's a lot of politicians secretly like and quietly hoping that um England actually win tomorrow night just so they don't have to deal with this um this political issue of of the public holiday. <laughs> yeah, so I think um maybe just to round this out. So like as we said at the beginning, this is uh the Tuesday Eve, the night before Christmas. So I do think it is worth us having a bit of a preview of the game against the old enemy, uh, England. So are they gonna get their ashes revenge on us? Well, I mean, they're definitely the favourites, right? From from what I can tell. And again, I am not gonna claim to be uh, a statistician when it comes to the women's game, but you know what? I just have this feeling. I just have this feeling that the Matildas will get up. Yeah, it's just one what of those. Um, I guess one good thing about football is that anything can happen on on the day, right? Because it it can just be that even just watching Saturday's game, right? There were shots that could have gone in, right? That if not for either, just luck, really. <laughs> uh, I, like the skill, the skill, definitely skill, but um, skill and luck together. So. It can go either way, right? You just have that lucky save or you have that really just moment of brilliance from one player. Um, we, and we saw that um, uh, the other night against Canada, you know, that um, pass from Mary Fowler upfield in the transition, just a great ball and, you know, they caught them off guard and and that was a goal scored. Yeah. So, you know, it's I mean, even in the game like against that. France, right? Like, I mean... 
that own goal that was um, that Australia, uh, you know, touched into the into the goal off that corner that was disallowed. My heart definitely sank then, and it could have gone either way, right? So, you know, it's that game. Just looking at the penalty shootout, right? How many? <laughs> just like you really may as well have just tossed a coin, really. Um, and the, that, of course, was the yeah, longest. Was a very penalty. cruel way to to win or lose. Yeah, but you know, it's so exciting, right? There's, there's, that's probably the one thing that I don't think any other sport quite has. You know, that um, just the intensity of a penalty shootout. And of course, the one that most Australians would compare it to is um, I can't remember what year, but it was the the Aloisi, um goal to get where Australia got into the World Cup against Uruguay, right? So you know, it's just this yeah. this kind of intensity that. Um, actually, I do want to talk about that aspect because, like, comedy is another domain where it's comedy and sport. The one thing that they have in common is that it's got this, like, hive mind sort of thing where you get a bunch of people together in an environment, whether it's a football stadium or a comedy club or whatever, and they all kind of, there's a shared vibe, right? And in the case of a comedy club, it's laughter, right? So people laugh and you almost laugh along, you know, everyone laughs together and, and it's more funny because there's other people there. And of course, that's why they put laugh tracks on sitcoms and stuff like that, right? But it's kind of doesn't work if you're just on your own, right? So um, in comedy clubs, it's very common for them to put like seat people really close together um, and people complain about it. Like, why are we so close together? But they do it because... It's it's proven to like elicit more laughter and more reaction from from the crowd. But yeah, we, in sport, the the corollary, I guess, is just the shared exuberance when a goal go like when a goal scored, right? And it's just this tribal. It must be some kind of something innate in us where we just react in a way. And I, like I think that's one thing that um, you know I think soccer has over other sports to some extent because it is just so concentrated on you know and especially when penalty shootouts occur they they happen in, in games where they need a result right so they don't happen in you know it's possible to have a draw right and that's the result but you know you need a penalty shootout when you need a result so they tend to be the more either a final or a um a game where it it matters who wins because the other side gets knocked out so it's just that that intensity that's um so heightened and yeah it was quite amazing seeing all the reaction videos yeah i mean it's and it's that stress right like that kind of tension that a penalty shootout does because like when you see the um you know you see the ball hit the post right like you know like part of you can understand that literally centimeters millimeters even between you know glory and defeat right and it's just excruciating right and this and i think it's um it's that kind of real life drama that everyone's trying to recreate in in the kind of events right that you just get from sport um but yeah and i i feel the same way about tiebreakers in tennis um but i will say that in soccer it's just <laughs> it is just amazing right because it's it's like the goalie you know against the it's just one-on-one and the crowd watching and, you know, the tension and the silence. It's, it's, uh, it, is, it is very good. So tomorrow night, what are your plans? How are you going to watch it? Well, unfortunately, I'm not going to an event or one of the locations live to experience the game, which I'd, I'd love to do. 
that's just not going to work um, this year. So we we do have just um, all the family over. I'll be I'll be cooking up a storm for them, and um, we're going to keep the kids up and we're going to uh, enjoy the game. Sounds pretty good. What about you? Well, um, like you. I missed my tickets. I didn't buy my tickets three months ago. Um, in fact, I think we probably three months ago or, you know, maybe a bit further <laughs> further back in our um, our sport episode, women's sport episode, which I'm just looking up now, was episode number, uh, da, 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 episode number 16. So for anyone listening, go back and listen to our, our episode. Um, that was released in March, right, of this year. And I think we even commented on the World Cup, if I recall correctly, and I think we might Yeah, have... we, we actually said we would go to an event, I think. <laughs> we didn't, yeah. We didn't. Um, so we if, if, there are any, uh, <laughs> if there are any fans out there listening that have some spare tickets, uh, Roger and Andy will be happy to, can, to take <laughs> up the, to the final. So I don't think we even knew when it was on. I, I think we were a bit sketchy on the details at that time. But anyway, it's well and truly in our public consciousness now. Uh, and by the way, just as an aside, I saw this advertised quite prominently in New York. Um, they had a big billboard um, about the World Cup um, and uh, in Australia. So anyway, that's just an anecdote. But um, yeah, so I'd, uh, I'll be watching it at home too um, in the absence of having any tickets. So, But it's great that they're doing like all the live sites and stuff because, yeah, yeah to the hive, hive mind kind of concepts, you know, I think it, it does – bring it out a little bit more but um this episode will be released on the sunday and and hopefully we do record the follow-up to find out what the result is but of course whether it's victory tomorrow night or a loss either way um everyone will be looking forward to the final which i think kicks off at um 8 p.m so i better make sure i get that right because i don't want (laughs) to <laughs> lure anyone into making mistakes. I think it's 8, 8.30, isn't it? Uh, hang on. Women's World Cup final, cup final kickoff. I, I really, 8, 8 p.m., so Sunday. So, yeah, so everyone will be anticipating that, and I guess it'll either be like grand final day, big excitement will build and anticipation for the, the day's game or the evening's game. And, you know, it'll be Sunday, so it'll be 8 p.m. and we'll finish late, and maybe there'll be sickies, if not a public holiday. So, um <laughs> well, and, and how quickly can they turn that around? But that's what I don't get about like the public holiday, right? If you're going to have a public holiday, have it on the Monday after the game, right? But I suspect a few people will call in sick um, on that Monday. Yeah. Well, you know, I think uh, you don't even need to do that anymore. Call in sick. You can just work from home, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I do want to talk about that um, that woman who got caught with the logging software. Oh. It's made the news cycle um, uh, in the last week. That. Uh, she was caught with a very low activity through, you know, behind the scenes IT monitoring of her activities. So that's a whole separate topic that I'd love to explore at some point too. Okay. Well, I think that's um, opening can of worms. So, um, all right. Well, I'll see you. Um, when are we going to record? Thursday or Friday? Yeah. Are you going to put any bets on? Oh, uh, I have a story about betting. So, but I'm not sure if this is appropriate. <laughs> and we're not supposed to encourage gambling or something. I don't know. Um, no, no, I'll, it, it, it's all about board. So, I got one of those text messages from a, a gambling app that shall remain nameless. And it said, if you deposit an amount of money into your sports bet account, you'll get 
actually, I've just <laughs> just named it uh, into your sports betting account, you you'll get like something like um, two and a half times the amount you deposit by way of a, a bonus bet. So up to fifty dollars. So it wasn't like big bucks or anything. Um, so I deposited twenty dollars and got my fifty dollar bonus bet, and I did put it on the Matildas. Um, but the way bonus bets work is if you bet on if you use a bonus bet to bet, you don't get like the the bet outlay back if you win the bet. But I did use the bonus bet on the Matildas and they won. However, they won in penalty shootout. So I would have had to bet for a draw to get paid out. So I did I didn't win anything is is, is the um, moral of that story. There you go. I think we just cut it off there. I was going to bring up the whole trans women thing, but I think we that. So we don't get a public holiday. Oh, man. Like you said, I bet there's um, some politicians that have, you know, are very glad they avoided that one. <laughs> so that wasn't to be. Wasn't to be. It's one of those things, as much as you hope and you can get lucky and everything like that, it just, just wasn't our night. Um, I don't know. What, what were your reflections on the game? Look, I think the theatre of the game was like pretty much, you know, on edge, like it, the whole way. And the clear highlight for Australia was definitely that Sam Kerr goal. That goal was incredible, to say the least, like to to kind of hit it from that far out. And, then, and, and the, you know, that, that's a highlight reel right there. You know, but don't you think that's also the like the pain of the whole situation that I feel like, you know, we, we had to score goals like that, right? Like these kind of award-winning highlight reel goals and England just kind of, their goals were just like really, you know, not sexy. They were like the accounting style, like just solid fundamentals and, and maybe a little bit of poor defense or poor prioritization of defense given the situation, I don't know, it just felt like really unsatisfying, like how they scored versus how we scored. <laughs> yeah, that's true, but they scored three times more than us, so yeah, I guess that counts at the end of the day. I don't count the third um, one, because um, by, by then you, you, we're just trying to prioritise attack. Um, yeah. In terms of watching the game, so I, I, it was a second-half goal, the same Kerr goal, and that brought us up to one apiece, and you could see sort of almost the side you know, heartache on the, you know, in England side faces. So that was kind of good to good to see just <laughs> quietly. But then they, they scored, they came back like relatively quickly thereafter. So there was also like a couple of other scoring opportunities after that. Yeah. So, it, you know, I think we had the momentum in our favour and it was all really optimistic and then they scored and then they scored again, you know, because it was, um, as you said, uh, the minutes were ticking away and they had to mix it up to, prioritize attack but overall it was just not as good as the other games that they won i guess <laughs> in terms of uh but that's yeah. okay you know i think um they had the wind in their sails yeah. right like i think that the conditions were kind of perfect for the matildas but i can sit back very you know very bitterly i can sit back and say that we were a little bit outclassed through a very disciplined team that played better on the night and i think that that doesn't make it any better but um, you know, I think it's fair. Fair. I think most people would say that that actually the England team and and the women who played just kind of ha- had the edge. The had the edge on us. We had some moments of brilliance and some missed opportunities, but I think on the whole, uh, England were in safer hands that night. 
So we're going to have a final between England and Spain mm-hmm. on Sunday and a bronze medal. I don't know if they call it a bronze medal, but anyway, <laughs> third place yeah. playoff between Australia and Sweden in Brisbane. Um, any thoughts on who you're going to go for in the final? Yeah, well, well look, I think that um, isn't this the case that uh, <laughs> Australians are English um, if you go further back? <laughs> So, <laughs> so I think maybe so yeah. you're trying to trying to say it's actually we we won either way on. <laughs> yeah, it's just a, a different um, a different subsidiary of the crown, right? To be honest, like that only heightens the reason why you wouldn't go for them. So, <laughs> you know, this I don't know. It's just like there's a lot to hate about England, right? Um, in that in that respect, but I'm not sure that the competition necessarily like. It's it's like the choice between like shit sandwich A or shit sandwich B, right? So if it were England versus I don't know like Nigeria or some African country, like I'd I'd go for the African country or the you know, but I don't know. I just find European teams just hard to get behind. They just I don't know. They don't inspire me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the other thing was I don't know how you felt watching the game. I think to me it didn't have the same kind of magic as the quarterfinal against France. But I will kind of say like it's it was a good exercise in like the collective breaking of, <laughs> of 70,000 hearts like live and just seeing well more yeah in the live thing but when they pan around and you just saw the the anguish on people's <laughs> face it was just like oh you know something's happened here this is almost like um what do they call it? a collective trauma right and i wonder does the trauma have the same bonding power as you know, the, the celebration in the quarterfinal when... Uh, no, <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> in a weird way for those people that were there live, right? Like, I don't know whether you um, saw it on the, the on, on the telly, but they panned to this one, this one lady and she looked, she, she looked <laughs> as if, you know, like the dog had just died. Like it was, it was <laughs> awful. Like, you know, just... And it just goes to show like this collective hope and prayer and just this kind of like high, it instantly just goes. And all I could think of in that moment was how do the Matildas go on, right? Like it must be such a different mentality because you're so deflated. It's like do they really believe that they can win at 2-1, at 3-1? And you have to, right? Like for any chance for it to happen, you have to really believe that you can do this. So I did want to ask you, it's probably the equivalent of the saying, it's better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all. So I, I guess what I'm what I'm asking for you to, to tell me, uh, it, would it be better for them to have lost tonight and it's that's it, it's just done, bitten the bullet on it, or for them to have won last night but then lose in the final? <laughs> Definitely, um, look, when it comes to the legacy and the celebration and all this kind of stuff. I think obviously it would have been better to to get through to the weekend and in the final. Um, but I think that's also the thing that uh, they now are, hold the record for Australian football. You know, and I think that's the thing that you, you always forget that um, this is the furthest that uh, Australia has been, right? And the men have never been able to, to get this far. So I think that they can still hold their head high, and that's still something, right? I have to admit, I'm a little bit sceptical of this, you know, the the men have never gotten this far, as though, like, this is some great achievement for the women. 
because, <laughs> like, I, <laughs> no, no, but, like, I mean, think about it, right? Uh, it, it's absolutely unequivocally the case that the men's game is the more competitive and, you know, of the two, right? So, yeah. like, a, a quarterfinal. Where Australia made it, um, we did pretty well in the in the last World Cup, right? So, in Qatar, right? We got past the group stage. I can't remember, but that performance was probably actually objectively superior to the Matildas. Sorry, I don't want to be. <laughs> I don't want to be like, oh yeah, the blokes uh, did better. All this work for equal pay, and then <laughs> we're already having a downgrade. It's like. A semi-final was only equal to a round of 16 for the men. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. But you know what I mean. I understand what you mean, but I think that um, I think it's like, you know, you you can sit there and you can kind of try to find the differential between the codes and, and, and the men, but at the end of the day, like this is the competition. Um, They're international professional players and it's like any other kind of competition, right? Like if if they, whatever they're up against, that's what the whole world is doing, right? That's the whole division. So I, I kind of, I can kind of understand that the bragging rights are still there, right? Like I think that, yes, it's unfair to the Socceroos now <laughs> in some ways that like you, you could you wouldn't want to be there as a Socceroo kind of thinking, oh, well, unless we get to the semis, the Matildas will always be a more um, accomplished team than us. Uh, and I don't think they. I don't think they do. Like they probably just go home and cry on their millions, right? You know, it's an interesting kind of question. Like, if say say for example, if the Socceroos were in the semi-final of a World Cup, like I'm pretty sure there'd be some pretty wide 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 scale rioting, <laughs> or just like some. I mean, I, I can only imagine like you know the the soccer hooliganism and the you know like. The whole of like Western Sydney would be, you know, on fire. Um, and I wonder, like, if you get any of that for the Matildas, right? Like that kind of like hardcore, um, you know, like diehard soccer heads, right? And the mayhem that they bring, right? And that culture. Like, do you think that that, that comes through? I think the biggest difference in just looking at the fans is like, well, firstly, white people. I was going to say lesbians first, but anyway. Um, um, no, families, like a lot of families with kids, not not just daughters, obviously a lot of families with daughters, but like sons as well, so that's good. But, yeah, like very family, family-centric. family But, yeah, I, I, like I said sort of previously before, lesbians, but like I must admit like I was getting the train home from work I don't know, maybe a week or two ago and there was, I think the Matilda's game was on at um, – at Sydney Olympic Park, and I must admit, like every second person that was getting on the train to go and see the Matildas was like definitely a lesbian. <laughs> Your gaydar was going off, Andy. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of love the little montages they do with um, which soccer stars are dating other soccer stars. <laughs> like, have you seen those montages that they put up on the news and the, yeah, and the puff yeah. pieces? And they're like, it, I I I, I got to admit, like it's a little bit in breath, oh, isn't it? Crazy. Because like. It's just amazing how many are paired up, right? <laughs> what I find really funny, though, is like because it's so um, tight-knit and incestuous, and a lot of the like a lot of the Socceroos, sorry, <laughs> a lot of the Matildas, they they play in the European leagues, right? I think only one or two actually play in the A League or in you know Australian-based teams. Um, so when they're playing England and stuff, they're all 
some of these people were teammates and things. But it did strike me this idea that what could be worse than like playing your ex? So like, you're obviously like dating. <laughs> you're dating all these like your opponents and then you have to turn around and play them in the league. And, you know, you've got all that, you know, you're running past and just like, I don't know, but imagine if it happened in the men's, right? Like all the men just like fucking each other, right? And they're just like, <laughs> and they're taunting each other, all the exes. Oh, you got a tiny dick, mate. You never, you never made me come. Um, you know, like all this kind of stuff and like taunting each other in the, in the classic like soccer, um, soccer banter. I wonder if that ever happens. All right. We're, we're, we're rolling down, downhill now. I don't know if that's a corner or an own goal. <laughs> Hand, but definitely handball. <laughs> <laughs> hand of god <laughs> all right well i guess we'll get back to watching rugby league on the weekend um my brother-in-law uh is english and he is really into his football right it's um really hits home for him and um as a result his two boys or my, my nephews they're really into soccer and they've been into it for, for a very young age and it's kind of tricky for them because uh you know he's english but, you know, the kids are kind of like half Australian, half English. And so there's within the family, they don't follow all the same team, which makes it really interesting, right? And uh, the, the younger boy, he was really, really into it. And he got really worked up last night uh, to the point where, like, he was going off. And when, and when the Matildas finally lost, he yelled at the screen, they can suck my balls. And he, like, ran off to put himself to sleep <laughs> because he was... Um, he was so distraught and so upset that he like just ran into his room and went to sleep. <laughs> and um, oh, kids just have no ability. Yeah, he's only to... seven years old and he's screaming, suck my balls at the screen. So speaking of dogs and shit sandwiches, I was at the cafe this morning and um, I, was, I brought my laptop to do some work in the cafe. Ah, so inner west. Then this, uh, <laughs> it's going to get even more inner west in a moment. <laughs> Then this um, lady with a dog walks in and um, orders a coffee and then the dog does it like this massive shit. Well, in, in, in the, the cafe. cafe? In the cafe. And then the owner's just like, I couldn't tell if she was just like ignoring that it happened and just being completely uncivilized <laughs> or uh, or just genuinely didn't notice. And then... but. Then, <laughs> I got the answer because then she goes and like steps in the shit, oh, fuck, and like and wipes it all over the floor in the, and still doesn't notice, and she's just like walking shit all over the cafe. <laughs> oh. And I'm just like, oh, I'm just sitting there like I in just, just absolute disgust, like the man, like. So, the, what about the owner? Talk to me about the owner before before I just like unleash on the situation. <laughs> Did the owner understand that their dog had just done a massive shit inside the cafe? Uh, well, at first, at, at first, the owner didn't, and I imagine that's like that can be the only explanation for why the owner then went and st- stepped in it, and then like unless that was a really fucking like passive aggressive move on <laughs> oh, the part sorry, of the cafe. I, got I thought you uh, meant the, the like the cafe owner came out and like no 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 the, so the the owner of the dog oh, okay. right? yeah I I mean, um, i'm back stepped, <laughs> in it. so so i wasn't sure if i wasn't sure if the owner knew that the dog had done the shit but was just pretending that they didn't notice so it was smudged all oh, over the floor of the restaurant right, of the cafe and i was just like oh i just this there was so many thoughts going through my head one was like fucking people who own dogs like 
they've just got like no respect for other people. Like it's just the everything's about their dog, you know, their dog, like the world revolves around their dog. Like the, they take up all the space on the footpath and then they expect you as like the other person, as, as the human to like walk off the footpath to make room for them and their dog. And, yeah. you know, then they let their dogs off, off the leash in the park and then the dogs come and fucking sniff your ass and all that shit. Um, <laughs> At, at, at the beach we go to as well, it's like one of those beaches where dogs can go off leash. And then if you go and sit at the beach and, I don't know, you're just sitting down and maybe you've got a snack or something, and the dogs come up and start fucking rummaging all your shit. And the owners are just like, oh, yeah, you know, that's fine. Oh, you know, yeah. you know what dogs are like, you know, no, fuck off. Like put your dog on a leash if it's going to go and do that. Anyway, so that's that's how I was placing this incident, fucking dog owners. Then the second part was just like, uh, like this is just disgusting. Like this is literally disgusting. Like, uh, and I was sitting right next to it, by the way. So it wasn't like I could smell the feces, right? <laughs> so I left. I, I just I couldn't be there anymore. Um, <laughs> what, did you drink your coffee anyway. really quickly first? What did you? <laughs> like- <laughs> well, I'd already finished. So because I was I was doing work, right? So I'd finished what I'd come to eat. So oh, that that, was, that's that's definitely uh, a wrap on work, is. like. You would have slammed that laptop shut in disgust. Oh, I was just like, no, nah, I'm getting out of here. I'm not. <laughs> Do you think it would be better or worse if it was a like a toddler that shat on the floor instead of a dog? <laughs> At least a toddler's poo would 